This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host. The Thiefy Awards show is about to begin, and our hero's heist is well underway. But will Bryn be able to switch the award winner's envelopes that are held by the guild's lawyers? Will Bobbert be able to keep it together until he presents the Thiefy himself? Will Alan be able to solve the mystery of the Soulstone teleportation pile? Find out next on Dumb Dumbs and Dragons. Alan, you fall through the darkness in slow motion, get out style. Jesus. <laughs> and then you impact on something and it slides around. You can feel a bunch of things rolling under you. It's really mm-hmm. awkward. And then you kind of look up and you realize you're on a mountain of soul stones. Oh, gosh. In a dark void. Can I sense like who they belong to? Roll me an arcana check. Eight. Can you roll me a, an intelligence save actually for you? 16. You reach out and all of a sudden hundreds of voices screaming into your brain and it's all you can do to not bite your fingers off as you jam them into your mouth to bite down on in the hopes that you can maintain your sanity. You manage to, but you feel like it'd be a real bad idea to do that again. How many stones are there? It's a mountain of them. Mountain. It's hundreds. Fuck. I don't... Can I at least find the one that's being tracked? <laughs> Sure. I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't matter <laughs> You reach out with your feelings. That doesn't matter at all. And you're like, oh, it landed on this mountain oh of soul stones. Goodness. Can I look at like one at a time? Sure. You pick one up. Looks like a soul stone. You reach out with your feelings. A hundred voices scream oh into your brain. Oh my God. Smash cut to the Forsaken on the black carpet. Who are you wearing today? I'm wearing something that I've made for myself. No one else helped you. A truth I cannot deny. Reginald can't get bonus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you heard it here, folks. Apparently, the new style in Moody Armor is from a brand called Reginald Can't Get Boners. It's unforgettable, like when Reginald can't get a boner. Now, I hear that uh, there might be a little something cooking with you and Notorious Thief Merle Streep. Any truth to that? Listen, I don't want to comment, but all I can say is... Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. Good things for us to conjecture about for hours on end on our after program. Well, thank you very much, Mr. The Forsaken, and enjoy the thiefies. Wonderful. Just remember, fuck Reginald and buy Forsaken t-shirts. As you start to walk away, you can see one of the uh, planteers coming up behind you. He's in, like, the sexiest version of that Jafar robe. So he's wearing Jafar's robe. Yeah, and it gives you, like, a a doff of the hat. Can you roll me a perception check, please? 
19 total. So the reporter starts talking to him and is like, all right, next up we've got Ignis Plantier. So uh, Ignis, uh, we haven't seen you since two years ago when you won for Best Long Con. Can you tell us about that? Well, you know, I'm very proud of that one, actually. Do you want to stay or do you want to go in? I wouldn't mind staying. I mean, I can strike poses. I'll pretend that I'm signing for, like, specifically children, but I decided, much like George Lucas when it comes to Star Wars, that the only people who would like The Forsaken must be children. So anybody who's interested, I'm like, good for you, little boy. But it's like an 85-year-old man. (laughs) As you're doing that, uh, you hear the rest of the interview, and they're like, you won for best long con based on your actions in Winchester. Tell us about that. It's funny when you can find someone as gullible as the drunken scion to that dynasty. You can really convince them to do anything. When you heard what happened, were you shocked? Were you horrified? He goes, oh no, that was the plan all along. (laughs) You know, one doesn't win a grifty for uh, not following through now, does one? Anyway, sorry, must go in. Like, who are you wearing? He's like, I don't care. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, And then he throws a bunch of signed pictures of himself up in the air and brushes past you into the chambers. I'm still signing because like at this point, I've been the Forsaken long enough that I can just be a shitty wrestler <laughs> without worrying about it. And in my head, I sort of make like two simultaneous decisions. Okay, I've got to stick to the plan because people are counting on me. But oh man, if I can find one way to spin this into murdering this guy, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Smash cut to the green room. One of the Sneeds is missing because he's still getting selfies, which are of course portraits drawn with famous people. I'm so glad I established speed portraits. <laughs> Jonas Sneed and um, Zane Zane Snyder are sitting with you and they're like, listen, we have a very important duty, little Brainy. Wait, is this what human children look like? And he's like, I assume so. Listen, little Brainy, <laughs> we have a very important job to do soon, so we can't help you all night. But you can't help me. <laughs> oh, we, we can help you in a court of law for sure. I know numbers are real big, but how does... 70-30 sound to you. If I had a, a cookie, I might be able to make a better decision. Pardon us one moment. You see them like go in the corner and they proceed to have the most intense discussion. It's a full court case about who has to go try and find a cookie. While they're having conversation about the cookie, I switch the envelopes. Roman sled hand check. Oh my goodness. 28. Dang. Nice. nice. Highest roll we may have ever had on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so they're arguing about cookies and you walk over and the box is sitting there. You open it up and it's just full of envelopes and you have the one that you've prepared. What do you do? So I open up the box. I take out the Thiefy Award envelope and put mine in and I pick them all up and I start doing elaborate card tricks with them. The, uh, <laughs> the shuffling and the entire like... In full view of them, but they're just too busy arguing. In full view of them, and I start doing the knuckle flip of them across my (laughs) fingers. And they keep being like, little girl, little girl, I'm sorry, we're having a conversation. Little girl, please stop. You open an envelope and pull that envelope out of the first one. (laughs) It's it's like crazy shit. Little girl, little girl, we've all seen the traveling show, Now You See Me, and its sequel, Now You See Me Too. We know how this goes. Please stop trying to do. And then I just neatly package them all back together and push it away. Zane Snyder leaves in a huff. <laughs> Jonas Snead turns around and goes, listen, little girl, we are so close to getting that cookie for you. I'm sorry, have you been bored? Would you like to play with one of my clicky pens? And he pulls out a pen that just says Snead Snyder and Snead and hands it to you. I'll take that, but I want to suss out other options. <laughs> <laughs> As you leave... He looks at the dagger on the table, and he thinks about it real hard. Nah, he's going to be okay. He's so- <laughs>
smash cut to the tavern. Zane is sitting there tapping his pen on the table. like, tavern wench, tavern wench. I need a cookie for a very sick little girl. And she's like, I'm sorry, the Forsaken's on the carpet right now. I don't have much time for you. Quinny, you've come back up from downstairs. The doors into the Oasis are open. It seems that it's been crafted into whatever it's going to be. As you do so, you see Bryn come around the corner. You've got that almost had a cookie look on your face. I almost had a cookie. Hey, have you seen Alan around? No. I put the stone into the tube system or whatever. The tracker's in there. She's supposed to tell us where it is now. Well, you think we should go ahead to like the scrying pools or the dreaming pools to see if we can see her anywhere? Well, I checked the scrying feed from downstairs where you put the bean, which, by the way, turned into a pretty hilarious bobbert just telling awful, awful secrets that are 100% true. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Because of course it did. Yeah. You were with her the other day, checking out mages and stuff like that. Like, is there any other magical place she could be? There was that mage doing weird things with the mirror. Let's go. We're running out of time. Quinny, listen, you go to the thiefies and be there with Bobbert. I'll find Ellen. And the soul stones? Yes. Okay. This is that trust thing yep. we're talking about. I got this. My soul, Alan's soul, and butthole soul are All literally in your hands. All of them. Don't fuck us. Then I leave. Bobbert, you enter into a grand lobby, and Quinny, you come in through one of the side doors. You can see uh, buttholes entered through the main one. Basically, it's a wide lobby that leads into the theater. You can see there's a layer of stairs. People are milling about. In the center, there's like a Scarface-style fountain at the bottom of the stairs with a statue, one of the thiefies. The thiefie statue, by the by, since we've never covered this, is a thief holding up a small trinket that looks like garbage, but behind its back is holding a sack full of loot. So that statue's there, and you can see everyone's heading up the stairs into the main space. Carmine's there. Quinny, you see old One-Eyed Stink, is very nervous, but he's going in. You can also see there are staircases on the left and the right that seem to lead up to the boxes. Uh, You can see Merle go up one of those. She looks back briefly at the Forsaken and just shakes her head in a sad way. I look up at Merle, and I do like a slow finger point, but then I turn my hand around, and I extend it to a palm, and I just close it into a fist against my chest, and then I walk the fuck in. And there. you know what? You can see in her eye that that's exactly the right thing. And then I look to uh, Carmine, who's a little bit to my left, and I'm like, I'm killing it in here! And he puts a hand up to his branded off eye, and he's like, please don't say killing, and he goes in as well. So the Forsaken, you walk in, it's a large theater, you can see there are box seats above you, you can see a scaffolding above the stage. The black carpet extends all the way to the front of the stage. You can see there's three entrances to the stage so that people can do their shitty, well, I'm the host, I'm going to come out into the audience thing. At the back are rows of seating. Up front are tables with seating. Bobbert, you were supposed to sit in the rows, but suddenly an usher brings you up for some reason, possibly brain-related. You're being ushered to a better seat. And because people get a date whenever they have an official invite to these events, I brought Death Wolf. So, like, if we get seated at one of the tables, I'm straight up going to have him sit on a chair and eat things. (laughs) Okay, he will do that because I can't stop you. (laughs) Yay! Um, Everyone gets seated real quick. Quinny, you're back in the rows. Mm Mm-hmm. But still, you got the thieves, man. Yeah, and I've got my halfling ability nimble, so I can move through larger creatures' spaces, so I can just get anywhere I need to with all these big motherfuckers. So, the lights begin to dim, and the band kicks up a song. Tyler, what song is the theme for the thieves? It's been the same song since the year it came out. Lou Bega's Mambo Number no. 5. <laughs> uh, and it is not, like, done with any other instruments or any other singer. It is literally just exactly Lou Bega (laughs) 
singing Mambo Number no. 5. Uh, so- and on one of the last, like, Mambo Number no. 5, Avalon Riker risky businesses his way across the stage. That's right, folks. It's Thiefy's Number no. 5, which it has been for the last Oh, my God. Avalon Riker is every shitty pharmaceutical CEO. <laughs> Have you seen any of those? Yeah, he's got an earmark. Three Musketeers. 100%. Yeah. And he's like, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thiefies here at the beautiful Mirage Hotel. My name is Avalon Riker, and as you know, I am the head of the Wanderers. Oops, don't tell anyone. And there's like assorted laughs. Um, I boo. (laughs) He's like, all right, all right. Calm it down out there. I really just want him to roast me. We're going (laughs) to. We need this guy to like you enough to let you present. You know, uh, they call him the Forsaken, and that's because of his attitude at these events. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get going right away here. We're going to start things off proper with the Light Fingers. Now, listen, they may just be starting out their careers, but got to tell you, they've been doing some fine work. He proceeds to start listing off the uh, the winners of the Light Fingers, which, as you know, are kind of the, not the best awards, but, you know, they're still awards. Best Lock Picker, you hear Best Fence, Best Getaway Driver, Best Forgeries. And then finally, they're like, and for Best Pickpocket, for stealing a bunch of money from a bridge, it's Old One-Eyed Stink. And Old One-Eyed Stink comes up, and he's crying out of his one eye, and stinky, and he's so happy. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I would like to thank the half-elf. Well. Mage that put me up and over the top. I helped her win some stuff at a casino, but I still fleeced her real good. They're like, all right. And like the music's already playing and they're like, just get get the fuck out of here. Mama number five starts playing again. (laughs) It's always mama number five, no matter what. And if they're playing somebody off, like they have to stop them, it's the Jurassic Park theme. It's just like, but that's only speech interruption. But I'm drinking out of my mug, like the one I can bang on the table to drink more. I'm straight up Kanye West at the MTV Okay, But they're also filling your mug. Smash cut to Bryn. You have just arrived on the mage floor. You're basically now in a TV command studio where they're like, all right, and cut to camera three. Miles is like, Britton, what are you doing here? I need to know if you know anything about the Soul Stones and where they are. Listen. No, 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 no. I need to know. I hold up my dagger of venom and I give her that super serious, I'm not fucking around and you need to tell me this right now. Do you roll me uh, an intimidation check? 17. Like your father after all. Well, the Soul Stones we've been having a tremendous amount of difficulty with. We've been tracking them for days. They're not on site. Do you have any idea how I can get to where they are? No, because if we did, we would have already stolen them back by now. Interesting story, though. Your sister, is it, blinked out of existence recently. Oh, what? Yeah, that's (laughs) literally what we said. Isn't it, Jane? And the camera spins to Jane. She's like, yeah. I literally said, what? We don't know what she was doing, but she's gone. We do not know where these soul stones are. We do know they will fuck anyone up, though. They said 10%. It is not. Oh, no. Oh, no, he's right. Is there anything that I can help you with to help you find this? Because we need to get her back. I never wanted to try this. Have you seen the touring play Star Trek? (laughs) Jesus. Yes. So a bunch of us are pretty big Trekkies, if you will. And we actually think that the Vulcan mind meld they talk about in that touring show might be possible. You have a connection to her. I don't. I might be able to get you into her mind palace. I'm game. She like snaps her fingers and Jane runs over with a bottle of liquor, immediately pours you two shots. Well, let's go into your sister's mind. And you clink glasses, you shoot them. She chokes a bunch. You don't. She puts her hand on your forehead and just says, my mind to your mind. Jesus Christ. 
My soul. Uh, you, you know what? Have, this you is don't a, have to say it. It's just what they no, say in the play. You don't okay, have to say all it. All right, fine. And then suddenly there's a flash of light and the two of you are off on a psychic journey. Why do all of our adventures end in psychic <laughs> journeys? Asks the DM. Yeah. <laughs> you started yeah, this. Yeah, because what I planned really works out. <laughs> Brynn, can you please roll me a will, or sorry, a wisdom save? 16. Milos puts her hand to your head, and in theory, she was like, I'll jump through you to Alan, but what you realize as soon as her power flows into you is that you're the stronger mind, so you basically seize control, and you start to reach out for Alan, and you can feel her almost like a dual image. It doesn't feel like she's here, but you can get a sense of her. You might be able to get a message to her. Listen, Alan, it seems like you've gone somewhere we can't get you. I don't know that we can help you get out. We learned that the soul stones have a lot more than 10% of our souls in them. I hope that this can help you in some way. I love you. Alan, you're sitting in a dark, horrible place. We're, we're talking like joy and bing bong in oh, uh, Inside Out. out. Oh. And you hear Bryn's voice echo. And she gives you that message and she tells you she loves you. You feel like you've been here for a year. Fuck. Um, be ready. Be ready for what? <laughs> we cut back to the ceremonies. Riker comes back and is like, hey, everybody, those are some pretty great light fingers. Am I right? Hopefully we'll see them in the Grifties. Very soon. As you know, it's been a very good year for Thieves. So here we are with one of our favorite parts of the event, the Rubriel. So let's roll that. A very powerful psychic screaming into a projector, which projects some of the favorite things that have been stolen of the year. And it's basically like a Just for Laughs gags reel. Lord Never Ember walking into his chamber to jerk off to his own portrait and then seeing there's just a blank spot on the wall. (laughs) And him being like... What? And then the theme song plays, like Mom One Over Five plays. Um, so you just see like a bunch of these. And as you look around the room, you see a bunch of people who are very uncomfortable because clearly it was them. Quinny, are you doing anything? I am going to work my way closer and closer to the stage. I have made myself, because I'm Kanye West drunk, the slat sunglasses so that I've got those. Like I made Ann and bring them in because we're going to make those. Roll a me thing. a dexterity check. 11. No, you took glasses and you tried to make slack glasses, but you actually just punched holes in them. So they're just shitty broken glasses. Yeah, I'm wearing those though and I look great. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Uh, Bryn, you managed to make contact with Alan. If you give me half of your HP, I'll let you maintain a connection with Alan. Kind of like a Jean Grey, Scott Summers thing. Okay. So what does that drop you to? It drops me to 22. So you hate magic. And this is the worst magic you could conceive of. Basically, in the room with Milos's hand against your head, you kind of like drop to your knees, your eyes roll back into your head, you fall over, and all of a sudden you appear in a dark space sitting atop a mountain of soul stones with Alan. Hi. Hi, Bryn. You doing okay, buddy? <laughs> I don't think so. What's going on? Well, we got this mountain full of 100% souls. I don't know what percentage, I just know it's more than 10. Whatever it is, we can't leave these here. No, we can't. I think I need to take them all. Smash cut back to the Thiefies. <laughs> Riker's like, all right, without further ado, we're at the Grifties. Now, as you know, the Grifties are a big deal here at the Thiefies. These are some of our favorite cons of the year. So again, same sort of deal, listing a bunch of things. Best long con, best this. But then he goes, for best disguise. Now, this one I'm pretty jazzed about. This year's candidate used stilts he had to steal a judge's robes. And get oh, himself out of jail. Like, Ryan's hands are in the air, and so are Bobbers. Ladies and gentlemen, this year's Grifty for the best disguise goes to Yevgenovich. 
And it comes up on stage and like he's naked, but he's like on stilts and his I, robe I, is open. I flip my table and, he's uh, like, and I'm screaming. He's like, hey everybody, I can see no evil. And he goes and he takes his grift and he's just so happy. I just want to throw this one out to Roxavort because you know he's a pretty good guy. So if you see him, tell him Yevgenovich says hi. But really, please... Please tell him Yevgenovich says hi. We're, we're, we're looking for him, and we, we just hope we hope he comes back soon. Also, I want to say hi to my family, my friends. Uh, I want to say hi to some rats, and I want to say hi to my jail buddy, Butthole. I hope he's doing okay, wherever he is. All right. I love you all. I love you all. Missing the sad tone of the middle of that speech, I have flipped both of my neighboring tables and the table behind me, and I am exhorting the crowd to get to their feet. All of those tables, tables magically go up in the air, and then they just gently come back down because you know they know Quinny how are you feeling with this uh, so much fucking rage <laughs> <laughs> I knew it could work I knew it was a solid idea and I could have fucking done it god fucking damn it um <laughs> So, I sh- I, you know, I had that lady judge in the alley and I tried to be like kind about it and be like, find me like a dude judge that I can steal the clothes. Of. I should have been like, get naked, lady. I'm taking your clothes. All right. Sm- I had it. Smash cut. Slipped through my fucking fingers. Smash cut to um, the void. So. Uh, okay. Listen, Alan. I, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to take them all. Listen, if our plan goes the way we hope it will, none of us are going to lose our soul stone. They're going to give them back to us. We're not going to be framed for anything. So if you just want to get out of here. Suddenly, there's a blinding white light above you and a hand the size of the horizon comes reaching in. Can you both roll me dexterity checks? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Four. Twenty-one. Both of you start scrambling on this pile, but neither of you can get out of the way. Bryn, you realize that the ground is moving beneath you and that if you just sink down, you can maybe get away. But you also see that Alan is clearly not going to. Mm-hmm. You passed your check. She failed hers. Right. What do you do? You can push her out of the way or you can get out of the way. I think I'm going to push her out of the way. Alan, suddenly Bryn like double foot drop kicks you Oof. and you slide down the side of the hill. And all of a sudden a hand comes down and it grabs like a fistful of soul stones and Bryn, and starts ascending up into the sky. It's literally just like a disembodied hand? Like a giant hand coming out of a rip of light in the sky. Jesus, fuck. If I can, I want to reach for Bryn and grasp her by the leg, and I want to use a spell I've never used before, Dimension Door, and try to transport both of us back to the room we were in. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices if people were outside of the U.S. were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. 
So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. Hello, I am Bernard Sherbert, the survivalist Rupert from Dum Dums and Dragons, and I am here to help you survive the boredom of day-to-day life by helping to engage in the wonderful storytelling, whimsy, comedy, and occasional tragedy of the Dum Dums and Dragons adventures. If you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, that is D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E, and you can join for as little as $1 a month, which will gain access to our Patreon-only Discord, where you can hang out with other people who have also listened to the things you have listened to and seen the things you have seen and thus can describe them with you. Or, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds where you can avoid ads like this one. Or, alternatively, at even higher levels, you can add an NPC name, like Bourbon Gerbert was. Or, you can add your own NPC that you build at the highest level and get your name in the credits. Name in the credits. Name in the credits. Sorry, I had to say that three times because it is very, very, very cool. This has been Bourbon Sherbert, encouraging you to go join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. See you in the future. Bleep bloop. And Tom's brain just exploded <laughs> not knowing you had Dimension Door. <laughs> Okay. It's not supposed to work between dimensions, but fuck, I'm going to try. Okay, Alan, how does Dimension Door work? Range of 500 feet, and basically I can transport myself and another person Mm -hmm. to any place that I can see or describe. So you you can't transport between dimensions. Mm -hmm. You can see bright light where the hand is coming in, Mm -hmm. or you can see where you were. I'm going to make you roll an athletics check. Okay. And Bryn, I need you to roll a dexterity check as she thrusts her hand up to you in the last desperate act. Fuck me. 22. Six. You reach up with all your might. You grab at her arm and it just slides off. But Bryn grabs you and pulls you up. Do you dimension door out into the light or down into where you were? We're not fucking going anywhere in the void. So I'm just taking a chance and going up into the light. You lock eyes with Bryn. What do you say to her before you teleport? Oh, fuck it. I love you, too. (laughs) And you teleport into the light. Speaking of into the light, Riker's like, all right, we've got to bring things down for a minute here. Because every year we lose In memoriam reel. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Of course it is. They Um, still play Mama number five. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a single spotlight. A tenor comes out and he's like, one, two, three, four, five. (laughs) And like an in memoriam reel runs. Everyone in the car, so come on, let's drive. Several of them them are the dead rats members that I murdered with Alan. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And there's like people impaled on Indiana Jones spike walls. And one of them is actually just the entire Moby Death Whale. (laughs) Just picture this. (laughs) Cause I really don't wanna. I see a bunch of the uh, red brigands. The red brand brigands. The red brand brigands. Just like, a bunch of the guys. And, and the last killed. one in it is Yarno Glassstaff. He's got like his hands under his chin. He's like <laughs> yeah. looking up into the sky. Yeah, he's full home alone. Yeah. Mambo number five. <laughs> They're crying and applauding. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, now that all the dead eats are out of the way, <laughs> I think it's time that we present the thiefy and wrap all of this up. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd like to introduce this year's presenter. He somehow appeared out of nowhere and won all of our hearts. 
with no bribery involved. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the Forsaken. And you hear Reginald go, ah, oh, fuck no! I'm wearing broken glasses and I'm pretty drunk. Uh, <laughs> I stagger up and I'm like, I'm the Forsaken. You know, everybody did great work, but honestly, like, Beyonce just took over this year. <laughs> And then I'm like, is there an envelope? Um, and a really it's like snapping your fingers, like, yeah, give me the thing. Let's move this along. So a really depressed Zane Snyder comes out holding an envelope. He puts it into your hand. You crack the seal, and as you start to pull out the note, in one of the boxes upstairs, all of a sudden, Alan and Bryn, you basically apparate. And you're standing next to Reginald and Merle Street. And Reginald has just pulled a fistful of soul stones out and crushed them. And then he just breathes in. Well, fuck um. that. <laughs> Back on stage, you open the envelope and... Listen, this is a thief that we've all known and loved for so many years. The greatest that there's ever been. The one no one could ever not love. Someone who's the most amazing person I've ever met in the thieving world. And then I open the envelope and it says Quinny. And I'm like, Quinny. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly the happy, upbeat mom number five starts going and you just hear Merle Streep yell, Motherfuckers! Quinny. Uh, and I just point to him in the crowd. Goblin Jr. faints. <laughs> you know, it's been... A little while, but I do a spit take with no no drink. After I recover from that, I do a second spit take. And then I just start I start walking up to the stage wide eyed. And everyone's looking at you and old one eyed stink standing up, slow clapping. I'm looking directly at Bobbert, wide eyed, like what is happening? What is happening? And I'm walking up to the stage. Cut back to the balcony, Reginald reaches back in and you see that he's holding like a satchel. He reaches in, he pulls another bunch out crushes them and breathes in. What do you guys do? I want to try and take that fucking bag from him. Can you roll me a sleight of hand check, please? Nat 20. Oh, beautiful. Ooh, baby. Pew, pew, pew. So, <laughs> <laughs> Bryn, you appear and you have like a horrible moment where you're in two places at the same time, but you look at Alan, you look at what's happening, and fuck this noise. So you just slock in, you reach for the bag and you yell, Yoink. The thing is, in all of your years of thieving, that has never worked. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted it to. Today, God damn it, does that work. Yeah, his hands are as soft as his dick. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Alan, what do you do? With a level three spell slot, I grip Reginald's arm and cast a witch bolt that can't fucking miss. <laughs> 14? You grab his arm. Can you roll me a uh, wisdom save, please? Sure. 16. All of the screaming voices you heard before are amplified so uh, much the second you touch him. You're going to take 13 points of damage. Holy okay. shit. And you're blown off the balcony into the crowd. Bryn, as you watch this happen, you're so horrified for your sister, but you're also pretty okay with the fact that you only grabbed the bag. Yeah. Everybody, please roll initiative as Reginald draws his sword. <laughs> 15 19 3 <laughs> 22 for Quinny Reginald has just cracked another fistful of souls And he's breathing in And Quinny, to your horror You see that he's drawing a blade out And it seems to be swirling with the bluish gray energy As Tyler knows Dragon Ball Z yeah. It's definitely one of those like yeah. 
Oh, he's powering uh, up. And you can see he's pointing directly at Bobbert. It looks like he's going to throw the sword. You're first in the initiative order. What do you do? Looks like he's going to throw the sword. It looks like he's going to throw the sword at Bobbert. Okay, I'm going to catch it when he throws it. So you're ready in action to jump up and try and grab the sword. Yeah. Weird. Cool. Love it. Worth uh, a thiefy all on its own. That's right. So you're like walking up to the stage and then you turn around and over your shoulder you just see like, Kamehameha. That takes us to Reginald. Reginald takes the sword and he flings it. And as soon as he does, he blinks out of existence. Oh. So the sword is flying directly at the Forsaken, who is still inciting people to cheer, I guess. Like, what yeah, are you I'm still like drunkenly screaming for people to support Quinny. I will note, because I've done this the entire time through, like, I still have blood punch and slaughter gore on me. I'm not like ready for combat. Yeah, They're yeah. like backpack yeah. ready. So like this thing would just go through you. If yeah, yeah. I think I have both arms in the air, like Hulk Hogan getting the crowd hopped up for somebody. Sure. Or I'm doing yeah, that yeah. like spinny arm thing to my ear and then the other ear. And then I'm just doing, normally it would be like finger guns if it was now. But in this, it's like finger hand crossbows where I'm like pretending to shoot crossbows sure. yeah, in yeah, the yeah. air Dig on both it. sides. Yeah. So, Quinny, you wanted to try and catch this sword. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sword is flying at Bobbert. Can you roll me a dex save, please? Dex save. So that is a 21. In most circumstances, that would be okay. So you leap up to try and grab the sword because you see it's like it's flying at your friend. Mm-hmm. When you try and do so, you catch it between your hands and you're like, ha ha. Got it. <laughs> he says quietly yeah. to the whole auditorium. But uh, as you grab it, suddenly Reginald is there holding the hilt. <laughs> and he looks as surprised as you. And with a look of horror in his eyes, Mm -hmm. it slides through your hands and into you. Um, You get the sense that his deal was that he was throwing the sword to kind of like teleport into where it was going. So by catching it, you kind of caught it and him. So the good news is you stopped Bobbert from taking any damage. The bad news is you take... That's so many dice. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Give it to me straight, Doc. How much (laughs) HP do you have? I have 40. Oh, boy. So, oh, boy, we did it. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, given that he's jacked up on souls, and I thought maybe Butthole would dodge it, you're going to take 120 points of damage. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can reaction that, though, can't you? Yeah, I've got... I've got uncanny dodge. Aww. So you can cut it in half. Yeah. To 60. Insta kill is double health, right? Yeah, but that was just the sword hitting him. Butthole, can you roll me a dexterity save, please? Oh, sure. I, I'm glad you're choosing my strong points. And this is you, like, trying to leap out of the way as the 15. lightning. You're going to take half damage, so you only take 30. Um, <laughs> but as he hits, there's, like, a blast of lightning around, blows you back. Oh, buddy, uh, can you... um? Can you hand me your sheet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No! No! (laughs) No! This is the tearing of the sheet moment, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I love you, buddy. Um, You are driven hard into the stage uh, with a, a tremendous sword through your chest. And the last thing you see as the light goes out in your eyes is your friend, Bobbert Tingler, fall back and away, still alive. Oh. And then it goes dark. <laughs> Good. 
So, uh, next in the initiative order. I think that's me, which is good. Because I got shit to do. What I did you get? 15. So I got, I, I, no, I was, no, 19. I was 19. 19. Oh, um, yeah, you're next. So, Bryn. Well, congratulations, uh, Megan. You're the new regular. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry, buddy. Oh, what? No. Um, so, Bryn, you're standing in a booth with Merle. You've just seen Reginald teleport into Quinny. I just want to be clear. <laughs> Laura has her arms crossed and is no longer Tom's friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's actually crying. Yeah, she is legit. Oh, I think I need to throw I my dagger of venom at the back of Reginald's whatever I can hit. Yeah, all right. Guys, this is not great for me either, so... Um, <laughs> well, it's still your fault. Yeah, no, I know. That's what being a parent is, Ryan. Um, oh, God, that sheet's real rough. Okay, yep, yeah, go, go, go for it. Oh, 19. You hit him. He, he's a big dude. He's also kind of gently shocked that he's impaling a halfling on a stage rather than uh, his brother. I'm really upset I couldn't even get any last words in of being like, oh, you've got the dog dick breath. <laughs> Just wait it. Just wait it. I'll, I'll give that to you. I'm like, no, you wait until you get a force ghost. <laughs> so, all right, yeah, you, you say that to him, and he looks at you with tears in his eyes. He's like, shut up. Shut up. He also doesn't know who you are, so it's really <laughs> insulting to him. So, uh, Miles, your venom dagger is a magic item, and it's what... Daddy Dearest gave me. Gave you. So, get your weapon damage. I'm sorry, Laura. Laura is not it okay. It doesn't seem like enough, but that's fine. Well, a dagger does D4. So, five, five. piercing damage from the dagger alone. But then you get 4D10. <laughs> what? Right. Fuck him up. The damage comes from the venom, is what we're learning. 20. Five, five. damage. Yeah. 25. <laughs> So the dagger hits him in the back, and he's kind of like, okay. And then suddenly his blood runs cold, and he's like, what did that fucking halfling do to me? Keep hitting him with my dice. It feels good that way. He <laughs> <laughs> um, just crossed me off. I did. The it, wasn't, it wasn't okay for me. All right. Uh, so <laughs> Tom is almost as hurt as Laura at this point. Tom's not crying, so he's not. <laughs> Bobbert, things are going to get real murdery right now. <laughs> so my weapons are almost instantaneously in my hand because the only thing more powerful than drunkenness is hate. Oh, man, by a mile. <laughs> uh, so how far away from this fucking dead person am I? <laughs> a foot. He, you oh, were, good. He was trying to kill you. That's a very good number for me. They thought they knew how hollow I was in that match where I've terrified an entire casino. And at this point, it is live broadcast around the world. I am no longer forsaken. I am changing my personal quest at a core level. I am going to kill every god. Just top to bottom, every deity is going to die. And the deal will be, give me Quinny or I kill you. <laughs> and honestly, if Quinny shows up, I probably still kill them. Like this is not an acceptable level of existence. I, I have such a selection of weapons. And essentially I have a man who's just exploded the only hobbit I've ever loved. Also, the only person I've ever been really sexually attracted to, which is going to make this ultra personal for me. <laughs> because I, I was 50 shades of awesome. I thought I was getting a sexual awakening out of this, and I'm not okay with how this has developed. So the sword is out, and my plan is, having seen him on the ground, I want to chop off the hand that's holding the sword. So I'm going to bring the sword down, and then I'm going to bring the shield down, and then I'm going to bring the sword down again. <laughs> All right, so... 
first attack. Well, that's not great. <laughs> we'll settle for an 11. Then we've got the shield itself, 19, mm-hmm. and the second sword strike, a 9. But I can do this twice a day. And I love my howl of agony, which is where I get to scream truths, <laughs> where I'm going to yell, I loved him with all of my heart. And I will kill gods before I forgive you. And I would like to bump both of those numbers up, which jump from an 11 and a 10 to a 21 and a 20. So I hit with all three strikes. Yep. <laughs> oh, good. Who am I to argue with someone screaming in grief? <laughs> I need another D8. Did somebody have another one? Oh, <laughs> double eights on those last that's two a dice. Delightful. So that is 38. <laughs> Plus, at the same time, I would like to say, wake me up inside uh, and cast a cloud of darkness over myself and and this coward. So I do 38 damage, and we are now in a wall of impenetrable darkness, which is the only place I feel safe. Also, I don't feel safe. (laughs) The last thing you see before you cast the cloud of darkness is Reginald looking at you with a newfound respect and horror. He's fucked up, but he's still standing. Alan. You can bet your fucking ass <laughs> that a ball of fire is exploding around him right now. Oh, no. Oh, no, I say is the guy next door. <laughs> Let this happen. What? The guy next door. I like um, that. Alan. Yeah? How upset are you right now? I am the most upset I've ever been in my fucking life. How badly do you want to hurt this man? I want him to die. I don't care. Like, I don't. I know that butthole wanted to kill him himself, but that doesn't matter now. Do you want to give me a handshake for some extra damage? How badly do you want this man to die? Let's kill him. Yeah, all thought, all reason has escaped me. They're shaking hands in real life. This is terrifying. (laughs) You come up off the ground with pebbles. The book flies out from behind you. The pages start ripping out of the book and flying around you. Your eyes go white. And it's just one of those moments where like time stops for a second. What do you cast? And I cast fireball. Cast it at double damage. Go. (laughs) Double damage. Yeah, I know what I said. He does need to make a deck saving throw. How close are you? Oh, no, you you made a no, choice. No, no, no. How close are you, though? I'm a foot away from him. Am I going to kill you? Well, we're going to find out. Fuck. That's not what I wanted to Wake do. Wake me up inside. I didn't want to do that. You did it. Sometimes we when Jean Grey summons hands. the phoenix, things that you didn't expect to happen go down. Oh, no. Listen to your no. dead friend. No. Do I roll them again? And we shook a hand, so yeah, you roll them again. Okay. 46. 46. Can, can you roll me a dexterity save? Oh, I think that's a record. Sorry, Ryan. 12. What's your spell, DC? 17. So basically, Alan sees Quinny go down. Bryn has thrown the most important thing she has at him. You jump in, and then in slow motion, Alan's just like, fuck! You're thrown through the curtain like a fireball. You hit the wall. You hit the ground. You're just like Jason Statham at the end of Crank 2, where just like get up and you're like, I don't care that I'm on fire. Because you're ready to go back and murder. Reginald at this point is just a screaming, flaming pile. And you see him burning. And it flails once more and hits the ground. You look over and you see Avalon Riker, who's also on fire, but is like rolling and putting himself out. Alan, you visualize him bursting into flame. What's weird is your spell isn't that. It's throwing fire at him. But for a second, you felt like you were inside his genetic code and you just lit it up. 
you come out of it and what's horrible is you actually don't feel any better because Quinny's body is now on fire next to him. So we're going to let you drop out of initiative order. I would like to run over and with my <laughs> Reginald can't get hard cape, uh, I, 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 I would like to, to, no, please s- don't. to swing it around and put out the fire on Quinny desperately. You managed to. Yeah. And then I'd say at that point, I push Reginald away and he's still burning and I like let that fucker burn. I'm cool <laughs> no. with that. I, I know it won't help, but I'd run over to Quinny and cast Cure Wounds. Yeah. I know it won't I do know. anything. Bryn? You're still up in the balcony. I'm just going to run down to the group to see if there's anything that I can do. Okay. So here's what happens. In the immediate aftermath, the crowd is stunned. You're all on stage still. Bryn, Riker runs over and throws his arms around you, and he's weeping. And he just keeps saying, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And he whispers into your ear. He's like, I just always wanted you to be better than me. And I didn't think you could be if you did the same things I did. He knows Alan's okay, but he's known you for a long time. And he's just like, I am so sorry. And I love you and I'm proud of you. I stand up in in full gear, having had like not enough time to really put myself together. Uh, and, And I grab Avalon Riker by the throat. And I'm like, where is the thiefy? You feel a gentle breeze over you. And suddenly he's not in your hands anymore. He's standing eight feet away. He stares at you both with horror and rage and sadness, and he's like, it's not a thiefy. There is no thiefy anymore. They're called Quinnies now. No. And I, <laughs> I walk over to where he is now. And I, he I, hands it to you, but he's like, great. No, less talking from you. This is delightfully not about you. Uh, and I go over and I put it on Quinny, and I put it on his body. So Goblin Jr. comes up, and uh, he's got a little scrap of paper in his mouth. And you realize that it's Quinny's wish. Quinny, what was your wish? I wished for both Butthole and Alan's wishes to come true. <laughs> Sorry. So, Bobbert, Alan, and Bryn, you stand over Quinny's body. Avalon Riker, who seems much diminished by all this, says, look, the least I can do is... Name it after the greatest thief we've ever known. Well, almost the greatest. And he says, um, Bryn, may I see that bag for a moment? Why? And he breathes out, and Alan, something clicks in your mind. Something Anothic said to you quite some time ago, that your father knew, and yet he did nothing. And he reaches into the bag. What do you do? I just say, you better make this right. We all have our debts to pay. And he starts looting around in the bag. Well, get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) an excellent response so he digs around the bag and he comes out holding a soul stone says the funny thing about these is that they're a good way to track those who are gone Alan and hands you Quinny's soul stone can I inhale it and take it with me you want to shatter oh would that shatter his soul no well I mean you can if you want to shatter it and inhale it as Reginald did you can no I'm not no I don't want to do that so you put it in your bag I put it in my bag Bryn, do you have any parting words? It seems like Bobbert and Alan are going to be on their way. There's not much I can say right now. Quinny seemed like a pretty... You didn't know him. I know. But you loved him. That means a lot. I'm sorry. And I just give her a hug. I hug her briefly. I say I'm sorry too. And I take Butthole by the arm and try to pull him to walk away. I turn to Bryn and I say, you knew him more than you think you did. 
I'm going to give him a big hug. I, I turn to Alan, and I'm still at essentially half a health point. I, and I, I just say, he went down, and you hit me. I had this. I had it. And you made it about you, and you made it big, and you made it flashy, and I'm so close to dead. And now I got nothing. I didn't get Reginald. I didn't save him. I don't have you. I'm out. I am completely out. And I'll avenge him, and I'll do what I gotta do, but I'm out. And I don't go with her. I go the other way, and I walk out. And Goblin Jr. looks at you, and looks at Alan, and he nods to Alan, and he starts to follow Bobbert. And then he snarls at you, and then he runs back over to Alan, and he licks your boot, and snuggles up next to you. And the two of you watch Bobbert walk away. I don't even look back. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at El Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-A ZZAR, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. Epilogue number one. They say it's poor form to kill the messenger, but Lady Antebellum, regent of the province of Aka, has never been one to care for form. Taking a deep, ragged breath, she forces her rage down as the eviscerated body of the messenger in front of her pumps his, the last of his lifeblood into her carpet. The chapel in the fortress of the Unseen Hand in the kingdom of Aka is no stranger to death, but today's has left a particularly bad taste in Lady Antebellum's mouth. Cardinal Archibald Tingler knows better than to cross her in these moments, but they must discuss the news that Reginald has died and that Bobbert was again beyond their reach. At least we got the halfling, he ventures, and Lady Antebellum, all fire and fury, turns on him, murder in her eyes and fresh blood on her hands. The halfling meant nothing. We have lost both vessels, both of them. Archibald steeps his fingers. This is as troubling to him as it is to her, more so perhaps given the complications it will cause with the congregation of his fanatics. Uh, we will have to advance without the Avatar. Archibald's eyes widen. <laughs> you, you can't be serious. Antebellum advances on him, and he cowers back, realizing his mistake. Yes, husband, bind. We have waited long enough. My agents will succeed where yours have failed, but in the meantime, we cannot delay any further. Contact the cult of the dragon and rally our armies. The time has come. Signal the invasion. She looks down at the corpse at her feet disdainfully. And have someone clean this up. And Emily rushes into the room and begins dragging the body out. Within <laughs> moments, the horns are sounding and the armies of Aka are rushing to action stations. The unseen hand is going to war. Epilogue 2. It had been a long, hard day, but business was good. The Rockseeker brothers had been doing a booming business in Rock Pets, and Jim Jim's Rum Shack had been completely transforming the nature of Fandelver, bringing more and more exotic travelers every day. And almost all of them left with a t-shirt. 
Gundren's boots were a little less fine these days, a testament to the hard work he was doing and the work he'd put into the Temple of Moonhammer Gift and Souvenir Emporium, but he was happy. It wasn't as exciting as mining, but nor was it anywhere near as dangerous. Finishing sweeping up the shop, he looked at his tiny kingdom with a look of pleasure and gratitude. Care for a drink? Uncle Jim Jim emerged from the door that joined the rum shack in the temple with a jug of rum. Fringa! Gundren roared, and together they clinked glasses and enjoyed a few moments of peace that the end of the workday afforded both of them. Then the door exploded. Gundren leapt backwards, rolling over the counter and dropping into a crouch, Jim Jim hustling in beside him. Gundren had a crossbow loaded in the flash of an eye. He always knew this was too good to be true, that one day the Red Brands would come back for their former hideout. He'd be damned if he went down quiet. Jim Jim saw the look in his eye and removed the pistol toe he'd been wearing since Winchester, giving Gundren a stern, knowing look. He counted down three, two, one, and the two dwarves popped up, taking aim at the hole in the wall where the door had been. But instead of bandits, they beheld a vision both wonderful and terrible. A woman, soaked in blood, with eyes glowing, a war hammer in each hand. Who, who are you? Gundren murmured in awe. In response, the woman's eyes flashed, and she let out a world-endingly loud fart that shakes the building to its foundations. Where's my fucking cleric? She said. Where is Butthole Farch? Coming soon, Dum Dums and Dragons, Season 3, The Moon Hammer War. <laughs> oh, shit. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Were you accused of a murder enacted by supernatural forces beyond your control? Yeah. Are you seeking a multi-figure gold settlement for damages to your business? Yes. Are you a young entrepreneur seeking justice for the murder of a family member that would be here if you were better at your job? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Thomas Phelps. I am the attorney, along with my assistants, of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Belcher, and we want to help you get justice. Our expert legal services are available for a modest fee. But not too modest, I got a family to feed. As a bot, I don't eat, but I do have a hunger. A hunger for justice. And that hunger drives us to work for you, future client. From investigation to sentencing, we've got you covered for everything from public urination. Oh, yeah. To murder in varying degrees. Don't look at me. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher care about families. That's why they work quickly to help get this daddy off. I was blown away. My business was in trouble after an unfortunate case of property damage. But the attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher helped set things right with a hefty gold settlement. So come on down to the law offices of Phelps, Oz, Mogbile, and Felcher. Located in the old Biscayne Boys building. In Eastern Orgea. Just follow the podcast highway signs for Dungeons and Drimbus and take the season three exit. The attorneys of Phelps, Oz, Mogbio, and Felcher are not responsible nor liable for any of the following that may be incurred while working on your case. Sudden death, loss of limb, heartbreak, the use of magic to secure evidence, the wrath of an interdimensional being, urinary bladder infections, nausea, depression, the sudden desire to remove one's clothing, the illicit romance of a will-they-won't-they they workplace scenario, or complete and utter disregard for the natural laws of space and time. Join your favorite fantasy attorneys for their next case. Dungeons and Drimbus publishes every Friday wherever podcasts are found.